Hey guys, thanks for listening to Ball Girl Magic. On this episode, we discuss beef between the Rockets and Clippers, Jamel Hill, Callan Kaepernick, and Jolof Rice. Nigerian, of course. Just because we're magic doesn't mean we're not real. Real. What's up, y'all? Welcome to 2018, our first episode of the year, of the new year of Ball Girl Magic. I'm Roz Gold on Wood A, and we have your girl. What up, what up, y'all? It's Yvonne. Um, I am feeling under the weather. I sound like I smoke a pack of Newports daily. I do not. Um, 2018 just started off real gangster in a great way, um, and so I'm losing my voice and my body's, my body's, uh, my body wary, y'all, so... Bear with me, but thankfully on this episode, we have our producer, Benoni, who is joining in, um, so it's going to be engaging. Benoni is, has been riding with us for, from the start of Bulgar Magic, and it's kind of a bittersweet moment. This is his, his last episode with us. Is that right, Benoni? This is the last episode, and I'm glad to come on as an official co-host. I can't wait to start my sports show pretty soon. We'll see. Oh, oh, oh. Are you, you really going to start you think, a sports show? No, I'm, I'm joking, but. <laughs> oh, we thought, we thought you were making a LeBron announcement, like I'm taking my talents to another <laughs> podcast. Um, I'm taking my talents to open run. <laughs> That'd be messed up. The decision part two. Um, so if you guys liked Ball Girl Magic in the last year, Benoni has been one of our producers and a huge part of shaping the voice and the direction of this show. So I'm um, glad to have him on. He's also a big sports fan as well. And, uh, you know, obviously, Vaughn, just get in, ch- chime in where you can and m- make sure you rest up when you can, too. I mean, First of all, I, I've been following through social media and, you know, we've checked in here and there through messaging. How you were in you were in Africa and Ghana. You were in Ghana and Nigeria for New Year's uh, and for Christmas. Right. What was going on? Yeah, it was live. Um, it was busy. It was it was like the turn up, turn up central. Uh, my brother was getting married. Well, my brother got married in uh, in Lagos on the 17th of December. With uh, 2,000 of uh, him and his wife's closest friends and relatives. I was like, yo, why are there 2,000 people here? It's crazy. Um, I was like, we don't know these, we don't know this many people. But it was, I'm not going to front. Like, I wasn't as involved in the wedding planning because, like, I was here. And I literally, I landed with, like, two days before the wedding. So, I didn't really know what to expect. But it was lit. And, you know, after, like, the festivities, they turned it into, like, a hookah lounge. Um, so that the after party was dope and it was, I'm telling you right now, he married a, a Yoruba girl cause you know, we're, we're Igbo. And so, uh, just getting, uh, accustomed to their different customs when it comes to traditional marriages was kind of beautiful to see. Um, so this was a traditional wedding that I went for. Was looking on Instagram. I saw you all over the place, but you're fabulous. Bob, the straight bat Bob with the center part and all the outfits you were at the NAACP Image Awards. Can you like, what is that? What is that? It's two days. Like, what is that like getting all fancy? The insecure represented big. Like, how was it? 
Yo, it was dope. And your girl, uh, Sherry, who you actually introduced me to, who does my hair. Shout out to Sherry. Shout out to Sherry, <laughs> who does my hair on, uh, who did my hair on season two of Insecure. She created this uh, this ombre brown textured bob um, for a clean cut. And it was, you know, I was like, I've done the 22 inches for the last month. And you all know how I enjoy sitting on dubs. <laughs> um, and so I was like, spring is coming. Let's go short. Let's go colorful. Let's go light. Let's, you know, let's, let's start the year off with something new. And uh, that's, that's where that pop came from. And uh, I started working with a new stylist, Ade Samuel. And so this were, these, uh, two, these two events were like kind of my, <clears throat> my like kind of like my coming out with her. And, you know, she did me right. I had this like red number that made me feel like I could be in a Marvel movie. Mm-hmm. That's what you look like. Some kind of Black Panther superhero. Listen, all I needed was two swords <laughs> in my back. Um, and then uh, and then the next day we kind of switched it completely different. We went soft, floral. I like, you know, I like reinventing myself. I don't like anyone to be like, oh, yeah, Yvonne is the girl that's always going to be in a long, flowy dress. Or Yvonne's the girl that's always going to show up her leg. It's just like, I just like things that look good, that make me feel good. And so when I put a a dress on, you know, I, I've never been married by the grace of God. I'm going to be married one day, but I know they say when you put on a wedding dress, you feel it and you like, no, like this is the one it's kind of, I guess the same thing when you get styled at like mm-hmm. often for like, uh, you know, like red carpet events. It's like when you put on something, you're just like, yeah, I just, it makes you feel some way you smile. And then you're like, this is the one to beat. This is the one to beat. If all these other things I try on don't work out, we're not looking at that. So those were the two to beat and we went with it. And I think, you know, people have fun with it. You got you. So are you, you're going to be working with this stylist going forward. Yeah. I did, you know, this was our first run. Um, and then I'm going to be doing some other things and uh, we'll be calling on her. I worked with Abuja for the um, Golden Globes. So that's, you know, women, all the women were wearing all black. Abuja styled me for those uh, those two outfits. And, you know, I, oh, yeah. My meat was out. You and Issa. Have you been squatting? And know. first of all. When did you get quad muscle? Because that's new. Yo, that's new. The, you know, I'm an African woman. You know, we carry a pail of water on our head and a baby on our back. What I do, what I do love is that as much as possible, I try to employ as many Nigerians as possible. So like my cousin in Gozi opera had heat free hair. So season one, I was using a lot of heat free hair. She's the CEO of it. And a day Samuel and both of built a Puja at a Samuel and my former um, stylist. Uh, Toye are all Nigerian descendants. So that's something I try to working as much as possible. Like, A, how, you know, because listen, I know what that's like to be an artist and a, especially from our countries and our friends, like you want to do what we dresses. You know, I like to be able to like let people know, like, no, your dreams are definitely validated. I see you. I hear you. I know you. Let's let's get this paper together. So I'm with it so much for. It, well, I won't use so much for crap hole countries, huh? Uh, yeah, on. no, we out here winning. I don't, right. I don't know anybody from crap hole countries. Um, and right, right, right. you know, and anybody who won at the awards too. Uh, Jay, Jay Ellis, uh, he won uh, best supporting actor in uh, okay. comedy series. So, uh, the Lawrence Hive was out yeah. in holy fact. So, do, 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 do. shout out to Jay. Yeah. Uh, he's, uh, Lawrence, can you be both? Can can I be? Nah, both? son, you gotta pick a side. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and uh, I was nominated for Best Supporting Actress in a Comedy Series and I was so excited because it went to Marseille Martin who plays Diane on Blackish, and you know I posted about it but it was one of those moments where like 
like obviously everybody there wants a win, but it's like when they called her name, it was like, yo, this chick has been grinding for the last what three or four seasons on this show, and I'm sure she's been acting since before. And just to be like 13 years old in the category with like, I mean, I'm 34. So it's like 13 year old. And then like, you know, uh, Tashina uh, Arnold was on, uh, was nominated as well. And she, you know, she is like the queen of best supporting actress in a comedy. Like she is Pam. And for Marseille to just come out blazing and then, and then win in our category. It was just such a beautiful moment. Like I got up and I started clapping like that was my daughter. And she was like, I, she was like, I didn't expect to win. I didn't know. I was like, but girl, it's your moment, and savor it, and love it, and congratulations. And it was just, it was such a beautiful moment. Because I mean, can you imagine what that feels like as a thirteen-year-old to be like, these people see me, they acknowledge my talent. You know, I can keep going. I don't know what you were trying to do with thirteen, or what you know, like I'm sure, like we've all had to like eat ice cream, yeah. poop, like exactly, <laughs> do well in school. That, that piano recital where all you learned to play was "Mary Had a Little Lamb." That was me, and you know, it's just like oh, I guess I'm not going, to you know. But like for you to have a talent that you know the voting public has acknowledged, and it's just kind of like a big boost, like keep going. Um, so I was just really happy for her. Um, but yeah, Insecure was represented and we appreciate the nominations and we appreciate everybody who voted. Um, you know, just they'll be next year by the grace of God. Awesome. That's that's amazing. And you know what? I'm happy for these little 13 year olds doing their thing. And it's it's also motivating for other young people to see like, hey, I don't have to be a certain age to do anything. I could be mighty right now. So that's cool. Congrats, Yv- Yvonne. And Benoni. Benoni. Yeah, I didn't win any awards. But <laughs> yeah, you got the award for best podcast producer. How about that? Thank you. I'll take it. Take what I can get. Right. Well, well, I'm I'm still curious how you do as a co-host. So you're about to be tried out right now as we hop into these topics. Let's do it. So the hot topic uh, in the sports world took place on MLK Day, the 15th of January. And it was the last game of a triple header on NBA on TNT. Shout out to my family. Um, And I'm working the Clippers-Rockets game. And the big storyline was Chris Paul making his return to play against the Clippers in L.A. It's his former team. Um, How would he be received? How would his former teammates receive him? Um, You know, he kind of abruptly left to go join the Rockets, um, although he served a lot of great time on that team and certainly excellent, extraordinary time in the community, um, consistently helping underserved groups and giving of his time and of his financial resources into the community. So how would he be received to come back? Basically, he came back and there was a lot of emotions on the court, Benoni. Like you watched, you watched the game as well. You saw if you saw the Rockets and the Clippers. It ended up being a good game. Clippers ended up beating the Rockets. Blake Griffin from the Clippers had to be ejected from the game. He at one time at one point got into it with the Rockets head coach D'Antoni face to face, which then Chris Paul got in Blake Griffin's face and they were face to face jawing. And then apparently during the game on the sidelines, the teams were jawing at each other. And finally, the emotions from the court in the game after the Clippers won, they were in their locker room. People were there were reports, multiple reports saying that Rockets players tried to approach the Clippers locker room and try to break into the locker room and and run up on the Clippers. 
Like what? And not only what took it to a, another level of hilarity was a, allegedly. I mean, there's an investigation in this case. Allegedly, they sent a decoy player to the front door of the locker room to distract the Clippers while Chris Paul. And again, this is what reports are coming from Woj and others. Chris Paul and two or three other three or four other Rockets players went through a secret entrance, a secret hallway entrance from the guest locker room into the Clippers locker room that really, if you think about it, only someone who played for the Clippers would know that there's a secret kind of passageway and led them through a back entrance into the into the locker room where they confronted the Clippers. So it kind of got uh, this this big following on social media. The whole situation went viral. There were more questions than answers. As you were following it last night, were you having fun with it, Benoni? Did you, or did you like, were you wondering what is the NBA, what's happening in the NBA right now? Were you like, why are grown men doing this? What, what did you, what were your thoughts? Yeah, I would just say mob mentality. Um, it was interesting because, you know, Chris Paul going to the Rockets, they tried to make it as a thing. They tried to basically say that he didn't have any beef with the Clippers, with with Austin Rivers, with Doc Rivers, with Blake Griffin. But judging by last night, uh, I think there's definitely some beef there. There's some tension. Um, one of the things that was interesting, too, P- Patrick Beverly, who used to play for the Rockets, he was actually on the sidelines chirping as well. So it's interesting when people try to act like there's no beef and they try to take the high road, but their actions show otherwise. Right. Right. I feel like in, I feel like you, you share so much time with people on court that there end up being emotions that are shared and definitely there's a lot of different slights. So it got to the point where they had to have a police, <laughs> they had to have police, a police presence there, honestly, like just to make sure things didn't escalate any further. Um, but from my vantage point, what I saw, and I don't want to speculate because I can only speak on the things that I saw and the things that I know and have spoke to people about. There's a lot of speculation around the situation and, and NBA, not only NBA fans who have taken interest in this right now, the video of NBA on TNT right now, the video of Charles Barkley, Shaq, Ernie Johnson and Kenny Smith responding to what was happening during the, last night, during MLK, the MLK game, game between the Clippers and Rockets, right now is the number one video on YouTube. It's number one trending video. Like the whole nation can't get enough of the craziness that's happening <laughs> right now that was happening during NBA basketball. Um, so from what I, what I sense was this. I see two teams that at minimum had each other's back. They held each other down. During a time where we, during a season when we've had, we have seen certain teams be in a battle. We saw the Lakers be in a battle and we saw Lonzo Ball walk away from that. And it brought up the discussion. Do you have to have your, your teammates back? Do you have to have a presence? Do you have to show a brotherhood? And there were a lot of different opinions on that. At least what I saw from these two teams was you mess with one of us, you mess with all of us. So I, as a former athlete, could rock with that. Um, but I sense that obviously there, there is some tension between Blake Griffin, Austin Rivers and the, and Chris Paul. And that, that kind of flared on the court. Chris Paul said he only got in Blake Griffin's face because Blake was in the face of his coach, Dan Tony. So he said, you can't be in the face of my coach and not have me being come back and be in yours. But 
it, there's a lot of tension there. However, there's also a lot of love still in a lot of places. Chris talked about the brotherhood he has with DeAndre Jordan. He said he talks to DeAndre every day. That's a brother to him. He talked about still talking to Wes, to, to Wes Johnson. He talked about still talking to many staff, um, Sam Cassell. Like, there's a lot of people that are family to Chris in that organization as well. So it's, it's a mix of, of, of different emotions. I definitely, um, I definitely know having spoken to players on the rocket side, they were banded around Chris. They rallied around him. Basically after that all went down, they like, I spoke to players who basically said we're together and we're not, we, we don't like their attitude. We didn't like the, if they're going to attack any one of our players, we're going to have his back. And somebody, one, a, a player, I won't mention names told me we're, we're going to see them two more times and we'll remember this. So what's kind of juicy about that is if you love hoop and you love NBA, they got two more matchups and it's going to be popping. <laughs> I mean, to that point, um, and you alluded to this earlier, there was a, a video tribute for Chris Paul because this is his, this was his first time returning to LA since joining the Rockets. Um, do you think that that video tribute had something to do with it in terms of maybe on the Clippers side, they said, why is he getting a tribute, even though they know what he brought to that franchise? And then on Chris Paul's side, maybe the tribute wasn't enough. And then in general, as far as the NBA is concerned, I feel like there's just a trending um, a trending show of support for doing video tributes. I feel like every year someone's getting a tribute. And, you know, Isaiah Thomas and Paul Pierce recently, there was a lot of news around that because Isaiah Thomas was going to have his video tribute on the same night that Paul Pierce is having his jersey retired. Is that fair? Are we doing too many tributes? And do you think that Chris Paul, Chris Paul felt slighted or the Clippers uh, felt slighted to do a, a tribute? So being at the game... They did the tribute at, in within the first time out of the first quarter, and I was very curious to see how this fan base fan base was going to receive Chris Paul. So the the, org, the Clippers organization was classy for doing a tribute, in my opinion. So I know you are less crazy about tributes. Why is everybody getting a tribute video? I think if someone is a legend of the game and has contributed a lot to the success of the organization and has brought a lot to the community. I think it goes, not everybody needs to have a tribute when they come back to their old team. It's on a case by case basis. And I think Chris Paul is of that level that you respect him with that. Even if, even if you were upset with how he left, he still gave a lot while he was there. And so he got about, I would say three fourths of the crowd stood up to give him a standing ovation. And it was not rousing. It wasn't electric. In fact, it like kind of took some time. Like people saw other people standing, so they stood. It was it was it was respectful, but it wasn't like over the top. So obviously there were some um slight feelings, but it was respectful. I think Chris Paul deserved even more than that. I, I think I think people sometimes I think fans have this feeling of ownership over the player and 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 feel that this play, beyond what this player has given in sweat, blood, and tears, and for many of the guys, time and money and resources into a community, he doesn't owe you anything else more. And it's a, it, these are business decisions. These guys just as easily get cut or traded with no say. 
But because they choose to make a, a decision for themselves, for their career, for their family to hold such hard feelings is very little to me. It's really little. And it, it, it's, it really, it has undertones of other things. You don't own anybody on these teams. These are not, these are not slaves to the organization or slaves to a, a fan base. They're players, they're businessmen, they're brands. They have the right to make these choices. You know, I've, I've actually been around other returns and some, like, some have made me proud. DeMarcus Cousins coming back to Sacramento for, uh, for the Kings this season. I actually saw it happen this, uh, happen this year. He was so emotional. He had no idea. I spoke to him before the game. He had no idea what he was going to hear. These people got, gave him an electric standing ovation and he deserved it. But then, Benoni, you think about, and, and Yvonne, you think about last year, and I think we talked about this last year on the show, Kevin Durant came back to OKC, and it was mixed. I mean, there were some people who showed him love, but there were some people who were so nasty. Like, I heard they made his mama cry. He gave nine years of his career and completely revitalized that entire city and, and neighborhood, just the whole area, and gave so much to an organization that was nothing before he was there. So... Uh, you know, I, I just get disappointed sometimes when I see this from fans. I know you you kind of see things from the other side, though. Yeah, all tributes aren't created equal. That's for sure. <laughs> I mean, it, I thought it was. Go ahead. Yeah, it's interesting. We'll see if this trend continues. Um, I mean, I definitely think that it's great that you know certain franchises are showing respect. I mean, I think it's also a business decision. It's a marketing ploy so they can get other free agents so they can say, "Hey, look how we treated this guy. We'll treat you the same way." So, I think that teams are a little bit forced to to do that. But So, let me let me ask you then. So, Isaiah Thomas was a was a part of there was a big conversation about him getting a tribute video which he's recently declined because, you know, he wanted to give the full day and attention to Paul Pierce on his uh, retirement there. Do you think that Isaiah Thomas deserves a tribute video with the Boston Celtics? That's a tough one because, you know, the one thing that I would point to that, that makes it a tough decision for me is, is the fact that he played after what happened to his sister. Um, I thought it took a lot of heart and it took a lot it took a lot. It took a very big step for him to even want to step onto a basketball court. So the fact that he stepped on the court, I, I thought that that was big. Um, with that being said, if we were to remove that from the equation, um, I don't know if a tribute is warranted. He played for the, the Celtics for three years. Of course, he gave them all that he got, but I don't know if a tribute was necessarily warranted. You know, they traded him. He knows that it's a business. He's mentioned himself, whatever team he signs with next, they have to bring the Brinks truck. So he knows it's a business. And unfortunately, loyalty is only to a certain extent, especially in sports. So um, I would honestly say I don't think that a tribute was needed. Right. Well, I think <laughs> I feel like you're, you're, you're hard on this one, but I think if the organization wanted to really be classy and wanted to really honor Isaiah, they would have done it, but handled him better. I feel like this is almost a makeup call because of how they kind of traded him right from under his feet after everything he gave the organization and sacrifice of his body, his emotions, his time with his family, how good of a season he had, and then just up and traded him, you know, like pulled the rug from under his feet. And now they want to kind of make nice with this tribute. I think, I think it's a, it's a little late, but anyway, 
you know, I think he he handled it with a classy way saying, one, Paul Pierce, have your day. And two, I think, you know, quietly, I don't need this tribute. I'm good. You know, I, I took what I can from that. Yeah, definitely. I think that I think he did the right thing and his career is not over. He will Isaiah Thomas, the trajectory that he's on, he will finish with a franchise where a tribute will definitely be warranted. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Absolutely. But speaking of tributes, I wanted to get into, because this has all happened on MLK Day. How do you feel about uh, Jamel Hill and the tweet that she put out in response to people that are posting MLK memes and whatnot, or MLK posts, uh, and they were the same people that were condemning uh, Colin Kaepernick? Right. I, I think she's calling out the hypocrisy. You know, basically, she put out a funny tweet saying, um, basically saying me, you know, kind of putting shade on it. Me looking at the people who condemned Colin Kaepernick for his silent protests, but on MLK, Martin Luther King Day, putting up, putting up his quotes. It's, it's hypocrisy. And, you know, you kind of got to side eye these people. Um, and it, it's false social activism, basically. You know, sometimes you want to be seen on the right side of things or posting because, this is the time that everybody put their post up with an MLK quote. But are you living an MLK lifestyle every day? Are you are you leading with your actions around these words? Or are these just for likes and follows? Um, and like, are there contradicting theories here? I mean, basically, many of the things that Martin Luther King stood for and the way that he went by about achieving progress for African Americans in America are very similar to the way that Colin Kaepernick has looked at what his resources and platforms were and thought about how he could make a difference or get attention to the very similar causes about rights in America for minority groups, not just only African-Americans, but by minority groups. And, you know, I want to shout out Jamel because I feel like she was first. She was first to be brave. She was first to call out people like, you know, Trump and, and she got in a lot of trouble for calling him uh, what, what is she, a white supremacist and a racist and and calling out, the you know, calling out the things that he said as as bigotry and people were enraged. But she was ahead of the trend because now a few months later, the comments that Trump has made are starting to add up where you can't even, you don't even have to, it, does, it has nothing to do with your bias. You can legitimately say these are comments that are hurtful to certain groups and they're starting to stack up to the point where others are now raising their hand and speaking out, speaking publicly unashamed and saying, Hey, we feel Donald Trump, uh, you know, is, is being detrimental to other groups or even as far as to say he's a racist. Don Lemon recently just said it uh, publicly on air. But I, the, the recognition I want to give Jamel is she was, she was unafraid to speak it, speak her truth and speak her opinion uh, before people were open-minded to it. And there's a lot at stake 
when you do stuff like that. And she put herself out there. Um, and, you know, she definitely went through a lot during that time. For sure. I was just listening to the Stephen A. Smith show. And he was talking about how there are some reports that have come out that have basically tried to to pit him and Jamel against each other and saying that because he made a comment that people felt alluded to him saying that sports analysts should just stick to sports and they shouldn't comment on anything else. Mm -hmm. And so they were trying to say, well, he's trying to that was a jab at Jamel. And he was basically he basically clear wanted to clear that up and said that wasn't anything I wasn't trying to talk about her and he said if I had anything to say to her I would tell her directly to her face and he said and I wouldn't say it on the air I'll keep it private so you know this whole topic is interesting she's definitely standing out by saying what she has to say she went through a suspension right um, was that last year and she's still pushing forward though. well Benoni I feel like first of all I hate I hadn't heard about that yet but I hate to hear like how many black African-American sports journalists are just to talk within sports are out there with a huge platform leading top shows. Why, why does it have to be that it's a, it's, it's a versus that there's, why does it have to be that? Oh, he's going at this one. Like I, I just get very nervous. I, I, I don't like to hear that. And I feel like the conversation, I mean, in my opinion, I feel like it's been talked about, it's been proven a lot. Why the, the, boundary lines are blurring, but it's become impossible to not talk about, have politics breach in on sports coverage because the way that, you know, this, this, the, the, the powers that be in this country have been taking attack on sp sports platforms, whether it be the NFL or protests or publicly, you know, tweeting at if it's if it's the president tweeting or responding to black athletes, primarily often criticizing the people that he that Trump has criticized have been black athletes or or not just athletes, black, the black ones. <laughs> um, it's been an issue with, you know, minority folk who speak up. He's come at LeBron. He's he, or LeBron came at him. He's come at Stephen Curry. He's come at numerous uh, NFL players. If you cover sports, you have to discuss that, you know, and the, and the response, the country is so up in arms and emotional and divided right now that that also informs how sporting events go, how news is received, how sporting, how sporting events are received, how, what is the meaning of these events happening in communities? Um, and I think to ignore it is, I think to ignore it is, is naive and doesn't help anyone. And it's just covering, it's just covering things up with the rug, but you haven't done any cleaning. You haven't made anything better. And the American public deserves more. Absolutely. I think that in today's time, and largely because of social media, sports journalism and, uh, and social activism, they're kind of, they're tied together. Sometimes they may not want to be tied together, but they are. I mean, I, I was even looking at Nike and they just came out with their Black History Month collection of shoes and the shoes say equality on them. And, you know, LeBron has a pair and KD and Kyrie and they're using the colors black, black, red and green. So I'm like, even Nike is, is Nike 
being authentic and genuine in trying to promote these shoes? Or are they trying to jump on the wave of this is what's going on in social media and the intersection of sports journalism? Yes. And cashing in on the very fashionable, popular, pro-Black, pro-African movement that's happening throughout definitely the United States and beyond, you know? So then, so then like, it's, it's the question of who is authentically in this space? You know, everything becomes agenda, becomes filled with an agenda. It, It may start pure and then suddenly big brands and other people and, and opportunistic people cash in on using what might be a pure movement of like pro back, pro black activism, pro African, um, lifestyles and fashion choices and hair choices and people just try to like use it to fit their agenda so it's hard to really see who's serious and who's not but i'd rather that the discussion be happening than than be just than be ignored overall you know and i think it has to and i think sports is an important group of types of people to to speak up because you know we've, we've said before a lot of times sports end up being a unifying factor or unifying force for groups um, that may have warred with each other or may have differences. People often can unite around sports. Sports has, you know, helped integrate America, helped bring blacks and whites together. You know, even when schools were segregated, sports teams were first to be brought together and have a mixing of, of, of races. You know, even when I play basketball as a kid playing AAU basketball, by playing on a team was uh, many of provided me many of the experiences with people who didn't look like me or come from exactly my neighborhood. Sports was the one that gave me a window to anything outside of Rego Park or Lefrak City, Queens, New York. So, and then people playing these sports come from such diverse backgrounds. They have a platform. Why not have a voice? Who else in their community is going to be able to speak up if not you who came from there now have some money and now have some following? You know, I think I think you have to take on. I think I respect those who decide to shoulder some responsibility. I also respect those who decide just because I'm good at shooting a hoop or just because I can hit a baseball far doesn't mean that I need to be the voice on this topic. I respect your decision to do that as well. You know, I encourage people to use their platform, but I I respect those who also say me hitting a baseball doesn't mean that I want to have an opinion on an opinion on 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 this topic. And I think you have to choose that battle well, because you can get you can slip up not speaking properly on these topics. So, like, that's an important conversation too, Benoni, right? Like, People, just because they have the platform doesn't mean they're going to be good or be well-equipped enough to speak in and to speak eloquently on some of these subjects. And you don't want to do more harm just jumping in without having done the studying, without having given the respect to both sides of the argument and also done the preparation to best get your thoughts out. Absolutely. I mean, if, if the networks and the various media outlets are going to continue to put a camera and a microphone in front of these athletes, then I think it comes with the territory that the athlete is going to be able to say what they want to say as well. I think that, you know, a lot of times the networks only want to push 
you know, their agenda of what they want to talk about or whatever story that they're trying to tell. But the athletes can hijack this situation and turn it into, you know, a, a podium or a platform uh, to talk about what they want to talk about or what's important to them. So it's a give and take. And, you know, we'll see. Maybe this is maybe there's a, a, a platform that's going to be dedicated to the intersection of sports journalism and, and social justice. Uh, we haven't seen. I think that there's been a lot of loose ends, but um, it would be cool to see a dedicated effort to um, that ties both of them together. Absolutely. All right. Well, Benoni, I think I think we can wrap up here. Um, we've taken a we've ta- we've gotten really deep on this conversation, and I appreciate you jumping in with us today. Of course. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Benoni, also thank you so much for all you've done for this show. Um, we appreciate you and uh, just want to give you another shout out while the fans are listening and just thank you for all you've done to get Ball Girl Magic off the ground. We'll, we'll try to make you proud in year two. <laughs>